So Money Episode 705, Catherine Power, CEO of Click Media. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Our guest today caught the business bug as a young child working alongside her parents in their horse business and later her grandmother's clothing store. She's now running a fast-growing media marketing and consumer empire. She is also a recent Forbes 40 Under 40 honoree. Catherine Power is here. She's the co-founder and CEO of Click Media. You may be familiar with their platforms, which include Who, What, Where, Birdie, and My Domain. Let's listen in as Catherine connects the dots from childhood to present day, reveals the big expense she and her husband are saving up for today, and that time she appeared on Project Runway. Here's Catherine Power. Catherine Power, welcome to So Money. It's great to connect with you. So great to be on. Thank you so much for having me. I want to learn all about your plans for your for the future of Click. For people at home listening, um, you may not know what Click is, but you've certainly heard about their media properties, including Who, What, Where, My Domain, which is a lifestyle platform, Birdie for Beauty. A lot of my makeup artist friends are obsessed with Birdie and so on. And the empire just continues to grow. You've, uh, uh, you and your team have raised millions of dollars from investors, including Amazon. You're, you yourself are a, an, a thrice time author, three books. And the company has recently partnered with Target, um, and you're creating a new active line called Joy Lab. So, so much uh, currently happening and happening in the future. I want to start way back when, Catherine. Like, I did a little research on you and I found some really interesting nuggets about your past that I'd love to revisit uh, because I do think it's often those experiences that lead us to our paths as adults. And let's start with your upbringing. I know that your parents were in the horse business and perhaps that is not where you got your entrepreneurial spirit. It was your grandmother actually who really influenced you. So tell us a story about that and maybe how there was a connection to where you are now in your career. Sure. So um, I was born wanting to work, I think. I, uh, from a very young age, um, you know, would put on shows inside of our garage and charge neighbors to come and and watch them uh 50 cents per person 10 cents if you were a child um i you know had a, a sort of like a toy kitchen as as kids have and i had a pretend restaurant where i put my sister to work so instead of sort of playing <laughs> house i always wanted to um operate a business of some sort and i was very passionate about um, you know, making deals and figuring out how to make money. Uh, and when I was, when I was young, my grandmother owned a retail store and I started going to work with her, um, at about age nine. 
Uh, during the summer, I spent a ton of time with her and on the weekends because she lived really close to us. And, um, you know, I went in, I learned the cash register system, how to accept the credit cards. I would do all the gift wrapping around the holidays. And then um, eventually I started dressing mannequins and kind of being a a bit of a salesperson. And, um, you know, I remember at a certain point realizing that what I was saying to someone was, was, um, causing them to purchase something. And I remember thinking about the style in which I would communicate about a product and, you know, sort of testing out different ways to talk about it, to see what would work. And ultimately I kind of developed my selling style probably between the ages of nine and 12, um, while working at this store. So, That was really fascinating to me as a child to realize that you could influence a purchase of somebody. Um, And, you know, it's something that has stuck with me uh, throughout the years. I've interviewed a lot of entrepreneurs and I do feel as though your ability to sell, sell anything is what's at the core of your success, you know, that you have a passion for selling, you know how to sell. What would you say is your selling style, something that derives from adolescence? Right. So my, I think it's, it, it, and that's a good point you bring up because I think you, you know, a good salesperson, you really believe in what you're selling, right? You really believe mm-hmm. your own hype. And um, I remember that I had a very honest way of delivering my opinion on products and it was a very nonchalant sort of matter of fact. And this is, you know, why it's great. And if it were me, I'd probably, you know, want, you know, one of these and probably another one of these, you will really love this. And it was just very relaxed, but I believed in the product. I believed in what I was suggesting and it worked. And I think as an entrepreneur, you know, you have to believe in yourself without, any reservations because you um, need the courage to kind of get up every day and work against the odds to make something happen or you have to go out and you have to win business uh, for the first time. Um, And there's a lot of firsts in being an entrepreneur or you have to go and raise money. And so it's a constant sort of sales process. Um, But, you know, the first step is really believing in what you're selling. Speaking of firsts, you got your beginnings in the world of magazines. I understand that you and your co-founder worked in editorial for Elle magazine before launching Click. And so what was that aha moment for you? Who had it first? Was it something like you just found, you know, sometimes you find your kindred spirit at work and you're like, you and I are going to go places together. <laughs> Let's team up and do something. So was what was the f- kind of a plan initially? You know, we were, uh, Hillary and I, my co-founder, we were both at Elle. We, Hillary was actually in the New York office of Elle and I was the West Coast editor. So we met on the set of Project Runway, um, you know, a couple seasons in when Elle was involved in the show and I was um, filming an episode where I was a judge and she was sent out to LA by Elle to cover the taping for uh, a part of the magazine where she was interviewing the various designers and judges and whatnot. And so we just started talking. Um, and it was, it was nice because on the West coast as a, as a magazine, um, publisher, there's not a lot of positions out here. So, 
Um, I didn't have an office filled with people that I could spend time with or sort of share experiences with. It was me and a couple of uh, salespeople who, you know, were always out of the office on calls. So it was a pretty isolated experience. And so meeting someone from the New York office who had been a part of the magazine for a few years, who could share a bunch of information with me about team dynamics and just what's going on there, um, that was really refreshing. And we just sort of hit it off and we became friends uh, first. And, um, you know, I think you know, when you're not ingrained in the financial aspect of a business, you sort of have this creative freedom to step back and say, you know, what happens if, if, if we were to start from scratch here, you know, we see the consumer behavior starting to shift. We see our own behavior starting to shift. You know, what would we do differently? And, you know, because we weren't, you know, responsible for the PL or how anything was monetized, we sort of like yeah, that was all out the window. And it was just about the consumer and, and about the experience. So we kind of set out to reimagine what it would be like for women like us to consume content and shop that content on the internet, which is where we were spending all of our time by that point, which is the early 2000s. Um, you know, this was way before the iPhone. Um, Facebook had just launched. It was exclusive to college students. You know, we were out of college, so we weren't even on Facebook. MySpace was was the social network uh, du jour, oh and gosh, um, gosh. Y- you know, and 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 magazines really didn't even have websites. They had it was a splash page where you could sign up for a print subscription. So, I mean, it was very. Um, you know, I, I think people looked at us and thought we were crazy for, you know, leaving this, this print world, you know, it's so hard to get those positions. There are so few and far between. And we, we left to take this risk because we saw, um, you know, a white space in the market and it was something that we really needed as consumers. Um, so we, you know, initially launched our first brand who, what, where as a daily updated newsletter We'd send out one story a day. Um, We did that until about 2013. And then at that point, expanded into a lot more content and launched uh, our two uh, next brands. One is Birdie, our beauty site, and then My Domain. As the brand has grown into now several properties and partnerships and you raised a ton of money, uh, how, did you always have this ambition for this to grow exponentially? I mean, I think that for me, I, I, I consider myself an entrepreneur, but I have no ambitions to raise tens of millions of dollars and be a CEO of a company managing hundreds of people or thousands of people. I do mm-hmm. think that's something that is in your DNA. I was actually just having a conversation about this with a, a, a woman this morning over coffee, a fellow mom and journalist. And, you know, I think she is someone who definitely has the DNA because she's talking about, oh, you know, I want to start something. And she has that hunger. And yeah. it's something in you that is it can't be given to you. It's not taught. It's just, it is who you are. And I wonder if that is a, a good description of you or if you feel like you've been encouraged along the way at some point to, to take, to step into roles that may have seemed scary, you know, but you did it because you knew that it was right. Well, I do think you're right in that some people are born, um, natural entrepreneurs. Um, 
I, I do think though, you know, through exposure and, and, and learning, you can develop that sense of yourself if you're not, you know, specifically born like that. You know, for me, I was, I was, I was, um, born to build something. I have a missing part of me that does not care what people think. Um, which is, <laughs> is weird. So I was just never afraid to put myself out there, um, and, and, and take a risk. But I, I always knew that I wanted to build a big business, but we had no idea what we were doing. I mean, we had no concept of fundraising or, um, what was actually going, going to be, um, uh, required to get there. So, you know, and I think in a lot of ways, people always ask, like, if you could have known one thing, what would it be? And I think it was kind of our ignorance that that drove us, because frankly, I think you as a business person or entrepreneur, you tend to overthink things and that can be a roadblock. So I think that it was sort of our um, inexperience that made us so bullish and, and bold and allowed us to, to do what we do. And then we've learned along the way, you know, it's, this company has been, um, you know, one part business school, one part, um, you know, uh, first CEO job. I mean, it's, it's represents a lot of things in my life and my career. And then I think, you know, once you've been through that once I can see how it's, um, you know, much easier and much different to, you know, kind of go out and, and build again, because you know, what's coming, but at the same time, you're much more comfortable, uh, in your shoes. I like what you say about that, because I do think that's encouraging. You don't have to have all the answers. I think that's might be my problem. I'm overthinking it. You know, what's my problem. I interview too many entrepreneurs and I hear so many stories. I, I see the beginning, the middle, sometimes the end. Yeah. I'm, I'm overexposed. So I know too much. And I'm sort yeah. of like, I think I'm good. <laughs> you kind of just have to be up for the ride because yeah. it's a real, it's a ride. You know, there's a beginning, there's a middle, there's an end. And it's, you know, exciting and rocky and, you know, it, it's, it's an experience. It's not really about, do you have the grit to get to the end? It's sort of like, are you up for that, for that ride? And does that excite you? Yes. Well, this is a show about personal finances and I'm always interested to hear about when guests, uh, make it big or they, you know, I mean, there's, you have so many more successes ahead of you, Catherine, but I am, you have, you know, compared to where you were sitting at your desk at L, um, to where you are now, huge growth, huge transition. Your life has changed. You've, you're changing lives. How has your financial life changed? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's listen, things are a lot easier with, with money, but at a certain point, you know, it's, it's complicated and it's, it's not easy to make money. So, um, you know, it's, I think people, especially young generations sort of look around and see these aspirational lives. And the reality is it's really hard to make over a certain amount of money, like really, really hard. Um, and so, you know, I think it's, it's hard as, as an entrepreneur, especially, you know, our company, we've been building this over 12 years. So it, it certainly feels like a long-term process. It's not, you know, an overnight success. And I think our, my, my ability to manage money and the way I think about money has grown along with, with the business and with my success. Um, I think that's something that's, 
that's a blessing, frankly. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's easy not to appreciate your wins as you go along because you're then sort of catapulted into the next stage of this, um, you know, momentum that you really can't get out of. So it's, it continues to be challenging as you build your success, uh, for sure. But, you know, you can't deny that certain aspects of life get better. Well, let's spotlight a win. What would you say was a recent so money moment for you, maybe either as the CEO of, of Click or in your personal life, in your personal financial life? I mean, we've had a lot of great wins at, at Click over the years. Um, you know, I think our our um, our rounds of investment with amazing partners um, like top venture funds, Graycroft, uh, and and then strategics like Amazon. Um, so there have been so many wins there. Our deal with Target, where we have now two. Uh, apparel lines. Um, I think, you know, personally, I've done very well in residential real estate. Um, and, and that's been a fun um, way for me to invest money and see a great return um, kind of on the side of, of my day to day business. And I think um, it, it was a win for me to, to be able to get into the real estate game, um, you know, several years ago and be able to just enter into the market. I think, you know, that's one thing that I always tell, um, young people who are coming up in their careers is to try and invest in real estate as soon as you possibly can, just to get into the market. Um, because I often see people wait so long and either they're, you know, waiting until they can afford a certain type of, of property or, you know, um, they're waiting for the perfect fit. Uh, so something doesn't have exact, it doesn't check their boxes exactly. And they wait so long that the market rises around them and then they're priced out and they can't enter the market. So I feel fortunate that, that, you know, my husband and I sort of got into real estate when, when we did, and we've had a lot of success in, you know, buying homes, uh, you know, redoing them with a certain aesthetic style, making sure they, you know, uh, are in fantastic areas and then reselling them when the time is right. And I think that's, you know, the, the markets obviously shift, um, you know, every uh, several years and there are ups and downs, but, uh, you know, for us, we focus on really prime locations and the way I look at real estate is, you know, you can always live in it if things go downhill. So, um, you know, we've had a lot of wins, uh, through, through that sort of side business too. And I feel very lucky that we entered the market when we did. Yeah. A lot of it is good planning and good strategy, but, but timing has a lot to do with it as well. And being willing, like you said, to kind of see this as a long-term approach and not a flip, so to speak, because in that case, markets could go up, down and you wouldn't have yeah. time to recover. Um, and I think can flip. You just, you just have to be, you know, you just have to be really careful about, you know, not overextending yourself. Where's the property you're buying? How long is it going to take you to, you know, redo it? How, how, you know, how much are the carrying costs? Like all of those things, I think if done right, it's like a lot of people are hugely successful with that. But otherwise, you know, I think you, it's like any portfolio, you have to look at, look at it, you know, um, it blended. So like you may have some things that are shorter term and some, some properties or investments that, that are more long term. 
Exactly. Yeah, diversify. And, and HDTV doesn't help because every time I watch that channel, <laughs> I want to <laughs> I want to start an Airbnb or something. No, um, it's really fun. <laughs> uh, this question is brought to us by our awesome sponsor, Chase Slate. Catherine, what is a big ticket item that you are currently saving up for? Ooh, um, I, you know, probably just more, more real estate. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know that there's any one, uh, one thing specifically that I've got my eye on. Um, but that's usually the first place I, I want to spend my money. I, I have very nice clothing, uh, you know, partly because that's what I do. So I, I do tend to splurge on really great designers, but, um, but if it's not there, it's typically, uh, in real estate. Well, I would love to pick your brain as far as the trends that you're seeing right now in terms of how consumers are sh- are shopping retail and fashion specifically. Sure. Uh, I have friends who work in buying divisions at major department stores and they're worried, you know, they're not seeing the foot traffic or even frankly the online traffic at their particular stores that they used to in years past. So how are how where are things headed? Well, first of all, you know, I ha- I'm very optimistic about traditional retail. I think it's just going through a market shift and it, it, and an evolution point. I think a lot about retail the way that I may have thought about movie theaters, you know, several years ago, where it's not that, you know, movie theaters are done. It's maybe we need fewer movie theaters and we need the experience to change, right? So now, um, of course, you can watch Netflix and get things on demand and everything is is so instant. So the movie going experience has had to evolve. So now when you go to the movies, if you think that you're in a, you know, reclining chair with with drink service being brought to you or, um, you know, meals, you know, dinner being served while you're eating, it's just a much different experience. And I think, um, you know, we're we're in a similar evolution point with retail. you know, I think actually a lot of the retailers ended up having a, a good uh, holiday season. And, you know, we work with a, a many of the large retailers. Um, and I think there's a right sizing of real estate happening, um, which needs to happen uh, no matter what. Um, I think that, you know, there's, you know, changes that need to happen even down into the in-store experience, who's helping people uh, in the stores, what kind of service are are they giving um, but you know, it's, it's definitely a challenge to keep up with the consumer, uh, changing consumer behavior. And I think every retailer has kind of a, um, something they can hang their hat on, you know, um, for, for Nordstrom, it's their amazing customer service, uh, for target, it's their brands. Um, you know, they're specifically in the style category, um, offering, you know, really strong brands at, at affordable prices. And, you know, um, I think I have a lot of hope primarily because I see, you know, sales results from, from these retailers. And I, I just think you, you cannot argue with, uh, the foot traffic that a target or a Macy's still has. Um, it's just about, you know, making some changes to the experience, the business models, like I said, you know, right sizing of, of real estate. Um, but I, I am very hopeful for traditional retail. 
Well, I wasn't ex- – well, I guess – I don't know. I didn't know what to expect when when I asked that question, but that's hopeful and that's good to know. Um I think you're right. I think that people, especially when you're talking about the theaters, it's all about experience and how can you shift the experience to to meet the the nuances of and the and the interests of consumers today. And um, it's an evol- it's an evolution, but it doesn't mean that it's an extinction. Correct. Now, um, what is the future of Click? You already have so many projects underway. Um, you know, when you compared to when you started, um, now there are many other similar types of. Now I would say similar, but I guess platforms that are trying to combine, you know, the shopping experience with uh, editorial and kind of being a one stop place for people to, for example, goop. Right, this concept of here's right. we're going to give you advice, but we're also going to tell you where to shop, and we're going to give you our recommendations, and it's all under one umbrella. Um, is that right. kind of like the future we're seeing in the traditional editorial world, lots of brands consolidating, magazines consolidating, going away, everything's moving online. Um, so what does that mean for, for Click? That's probably good news, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I'm, I'm super, you know, happy of, about our approach to content, you know, and, and the way we sort of have built um, very strong brands in different lifestyle categories. Um, you know, when we first started, I think a lot of our competitors were sort of aggregating all their traffic under one web domain. And we set out to build brands, um, frankly, par- partly because we knew we would go outside of media, um, you know, with, with actual products. But I think that there's the, the consumer's attention. I mean, there just aren't enough hours in the day. If you look at, you know, if we sleep for, um, eight hours and you're at work or school for, for another, you know, eight hours, um, and you are still watching four hours of linear TV or whatever the stats are, you see, there's not, you know, a lot of time left after social media. So, um, you know, you have to, um, you know, really deliver that consumer an experience, um, that they need. So we're going and we're delivering content where they already are, or we're providing, you know, an actual product when we give them inspiration, because at this point, you know, the consumer demands instant gratification and convenience. And, um, and so I think that's what, you know, publishers like us or like Goop have, have done in that, you know, we give products context, uh, to help convert, uh, your purchase and make things easier and faster for you. Um, and we're also, you know, as we inspire people, giving them the tools they can actually buy to achieve that, you know, look or trend or whatever it is. Pretty smart. You were ahead of the curve, Catherine. And in fact, you were a fortune 40 under 40 honoree. Um, that's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. What, what do your parents think now? Um, I think they're very proud. You know, I think it's hard for people to understand sometimes what it's like an internet based business really does. (laughs) Uh, Does your mom still not know what you do? Because mine does. So I think, I think having, you know, we, we've written three books. When those come out, we do book tours. You can go to the bookstore and you can see it. She can walk in Target now and see our brands. So I think it's a lot easier to wrap, (laughs) wrap their head around. (laughs) 
Yeah, I, I know. My mom's like, can you please publish another book? I'm like, why? She's like, because then I feel like I can explain what you do. Um, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, sure, just for you, I'll, I'll slave uh, and, you know, lose uh, a life for two years to write a book. Um, let's do some So Money Fill in the Blanks before I let you okay. go. You've been so great. Thank you for sharing all of these stories with us and insights. This is when I start a sentence and then you just finish it. First thing that comes to mind. Okay. If I won the lottery tomorrow, the first thing I would do is? I'd probably, um, strangely enough, I'd probably make a movie. um, Really? Yeah. I've always wanted to produce film um, since I was young, but I am frustrated by the process of filmmaking because I think it takes too long. Um, So I would probably just for the experience finance a, a small film and not expect my money back, of course, but just to have that experience. Have you gone to the extent of figuring out what kind of movie you'd like to produce or who would star in it? Is it, is it a, is it a, you know, I, uh, there's, there's been different stories and materials and books along the years that I've had my eye on that someday, you know, I, I would love to, to try to make happen. Um, and I, I, you know, I'm sure I could go and, and put money together and produce a film here, but it's just like, it's, it's so, it's like a five-year process for, I'm yeah. watching my friends do it. And after working in the internet, it's like, you know, it's a whole nother world. <laughs> so that's the only reason I would say if I had money to sort of just, you know, um, you know, spend, sure. uh, that's probably what I would do. That's great. That's a, that's a first here on the show. No one has ever said I would finance a, a film, um, but that's a, that's a, I like that answer a lot. For the experience, yeah. How about this? One thing I spend my money on that makes my life easier or better is? Oh, my nanny. Hell yeah. Great nanny. <laughs> I see sometimes people have like one nanny per child. And I mean, that's just, I feel like that's just overdoing it. But honestly... Maybe not because when you have a three-year-old and a one-year-old like I do, you can't, yeah. there's not enough help in the world. Well, I only have one so far. Um, <laughs> so T- TBD. TBD. All right. Uh, when I splurge, you mentioned you love to buy beautiful clothes, uh, but mm-hmm. maybe uh, you can get more specific here. When I splurge, I like to spend my money on... Well, I, I do like nice clothes, but I also like nice hotels. That's sort of my my thing. Can you give us a tip? Like, how can you tell a hotel is going to be nice? I know that they have beautiful websites and pictures, but sometimes you get there and it's like yeah. underwhelming. Well, I'm a, I'm a real hotel snob, so I know all of the holding companies <laughs> and the sort of quality of the, <laughs> of, the, of the hotel. So I try to stick with a certain, a few family of uh of brands that I know will deliver on that, uh, that experience. Such as? Um, the Rosewood hotels, um, have an amazing experience. So I stay at the Rosewood in London. Um, they also own Las Ventanas in, uh, in Mexico. Um, and there's a few, you know, hotel groups like that, that I, I often, when, when we go on vacation, I just, um, sort of look up where, where <laughs> these hotel, where's the Rosewood. Yeah. And that, that sort of, um, helps us plan. And we, we, uh, love uh, a company called Wimco that operates uh, villas and hotels, um, all over the world. We, we stay in a lot of their villas in St. Bart's. 
um, which is one of our favorite places to go. But I would say that's definitely, I'm not a big foodie. Um, I don't do a, a lot of fancy dining, but I, I, I do need a nice hotel. When I was growing up, the one thing I wish I had learned about money is? Nothing. As I said, I think that, you know, it, it's sort of like what I didn't know that, that drove me and I'm happy learning along the way and every experience I have gets better. When I donate, I like to give to blank because? Um, kids or animals um, because they really don't have any way of helping themselves. And last but not least, I'm Catherine Power. I'm so money because? Because I found what I love to do and I figured out a way to get paid for it. Well, congrats on that, Catherine. Thank you so much for making time for us. And you have a very busy, busy schedule, life work. Um, Thank you so much for having me. I love your show. Thank you so much to Catherine for stopping by. So money. Visit clickbrands.com, C-L-I-Q-U-E brands.com. Catherine is also on Twitter. Follow her there at Catherine Power. All this info is back for you at somoneypodcast.com, the audio, the transcript, and also the opportunity to leave a message for our Friday episodes. If you've got a question or if you'd like to co-host, let me know. Click on Ask Farnoosh. You can either leave an audio voicemail or just type in your uh, your request and I will be in touch. Thank Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone, and I hope your day is so money. Money.